Welcome to Lost in Translations. I'm your host, Michael, and I'm joined with Mary, my wife, and my sister-in-law, Rita. Hi. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. And we are talking about La Posada. Anyone want to try and pronounce name? Trifonia Melibia Obono. Very good. Is that correct? I believe. It's a white girl's version. I would have said it. It's a what? The white girl version. The white girl version, okay. And it's translated by Lauren. Laurent Schmiel. Schimmel? Schimmel. Schimmel. I don't know. I don't know. I don't have my notes up. They're probably helpful. It's also got an afterward by Abosidi George. Yes, and this is from Babinus Press, and it came out earlier this year. Okay. And I've got two women on to talk about this because there needs to be less male voices talking about a book like this. A book like what? Well, I feel like being a straight man, it's hard to talk about the book even though there's a lot to talk about. Mm, I agree. Me too. <laughs> Thank you for coming on. Oh, it's my, it's my pleasure. <laughs> Do you mind being outed on our podcast? <laughs> no, um, I'm fine. Okay. I'm Who's here you? for the queer aspect of yes. it. Yes, yeah. we need that. Because these guys are too straight to do it. Yeah, way too straight. I mean, mm. I'm not on the scale. Hashtag white straight people. Yeah. Well, it'd be really good if we could have... Like an African person as well. Yeah. But we'll get there. Eventually. Yeah. I guess the author has to be the queer African voice of this Hmm. conversation. That's right. And I guess the whole point of her having the book translated and sent around the world is so, you know, straight white people can have a glimpse of what life is like as a queer woman in Equatorial Guinea. So this is the first... Woman to be translated from the Spanish from Equatorial Guinea in or Equatorial any Guinea language. in general in any language. I mean, I don't know what other languages they're publishing in. I, I don't know any other books from Equatorial Guinea in general, male no, or female. No. I can't think of any male. I did read, like when I was reading this, I did see there were some male authors that had been translated. It's like two or three. It's not a great number. No. So I feel like the experiences of Equatorial Guinea aren't widely published. Yeah, well, there's not much, I feel like, being translated from Africa in general. Maybe. I don't know. There's a bit. I feel like there's more than there probably has been ever before. Yeah, but not many women. No. Well, that's life, isn't it? Yeah. (laughs) Men. What do you think the most translated country is in Africa? South Uh, Africa. Nigeria. Algeria. Algeria? Yeah, probably. Why probably? Because of Camus. Camus, yeah, a lot of Camus. Oh, is Everything he Camus, right? Is Camus African? Camus is a French Algerian, yes. But he's white? He's white. Okay. <laughs> you know, that's what happened. But he lived in Algeria. He lived in Algeria and wrote a lot about Algeria. Oh. Oh. I don't read Camus, I don't know about that. I don't know if that's the most translated, that's just a guess. Okay, because there's a white guy. There's a white guy and, you know, there's a French guy, philosopher. Yeah. It's probably a lot from Egypt. Is it? Probably. 
I don't know. I don't know. You're just making stuff up now. I am guessing, speculating, <laughs> not making it up. Okay. So La Bastada is a book about a young teenager, Okomo. Oh, that's how I pronounce it. Yeah, I'd probably pronounce it. And so. and she's coming to terms with her sexuality within her tribe and tribe. its tradition. Yeah, and the tradition is basically when she bleeds, she has to get married. Yes, and start like reproducing. The Sabandi. Yeah. What did you think? It made me sad. Me too. It is a sad book. I mean, I guess it makes you aware of how lucky we have it in, I guess, Australia compared to countries so steeped in tradition that they call themselves Catholics, but they then blame Bad Harvest on a guy that had a cremation instead of a burial. Do they call themselves Catholics? Yeah, at one stage they do. They do. Oh. I thought that they hated the Catholics. Oh, they called themselves Catholic in it. Oh, I missed that bit. Mm-hmm. I thought that they were like a tr- like a some sort of African tradition. Yeah, they've got this. It's basically this full African tradition, but um, they still call themselves a Catholic because of the Spanish missionaries. Yeah. yeah, but I feel like part of the problem with you know the cu- uncle cousin guy that's living in the forest is because you know he went to Spain and he like cremated his dad. I thought that they thought he was like too Catholic, well too Western. Catholics, they cremate their dead, though. Yeah, they do. Oh, I know Back Catholics there. that have been cremated. Back I don't know when this was. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like this isn't that long ago. Like, you you just have to bury the remains. It doesn't matter if they're cremated. Okay. But, no, there is definitely a part where they call themselves Catholic. I'm glad we have a resident Catholic on this podcast to be able to set our records straight. Hmm. Yeah. But I guess, you know, it's a emerging of Catholic culture and... Fang culture. Fang culture. And, I mean, like, Catholic culture isn't queer-friendly to start with, mm. so it doesn't help. But it is interesting, th- that section, how for the uncle, who I guess we call gay for want of a term, mm-hmm. that they use the term man-woman mm. in fang culture and that there's no term for a woman who's same-sex attracted, which mm. is very similar to, I guess, what it was back in the early days where they had the, had terms like that for mm. men that partook in same-sex relationships but didn't for women. Lesbians just didn't technically exist. Yeah, because it was, like, believed that you couldn't be sexually satisfied without a penis. <laughs> so if two women were close, it wasn't for sexual reasons. And that that's, like, a belief that, you know, was believed... It still exists today. Does it? Oh, I'm sure there are <laughs> I'm sure it people does. out there, yeah. Straight white men. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag not all men. <laughs> because obviously black people have this problem too. <laughs> but, um, yeah, like I was like listening to this other podcast called Deviant Women, shout out, and they were talking about, you know, like there were these like women throughout history who are in relationships with other women that everyone's like, oh, look, it's nice. They're just really close friends. And they will refer to each other as wives. And everyone's like, oh, isn't that nice? They're so close that they call each other wives. And there's going, oh, it's okay, because obviously it's not a sexual relationship because there's not a penis involved. And there's still virgins. Yeah. Oh, there was probably fake penises involved. Yeah. Do we have to put an explicit warning on this now? <laughs> no, I think it, I can probably tag it when I upload Okay. It. <laughs> Why are we talking about penises so much in a lesbian book? That's just what you do. You, you started it. Sorry. <laughs> yes. Where were we? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
you were talking about women in relationships. Mm. But, I mean, I guess, like, they do recognise that something sexual has happened between these women, these young teenagers. Mm. Because they then call them women men. Yeah, they're like, oh, quick, we better find a term. We'll make one up now. Yes, they went original with women men. Yeah. Yeah. You keep going. You're the women. I feel like you have more to say. You probably should be the one's voicing. Well, I don't want to steal Rita's voice. Uh, well, I'll admit I don't read too much queer literature apart from lesbian romance novels, but it is interesting to see that even in Equatorial Guinea that they say I love you to each other after only having sex once, which is very lesbian romance novel. <laughs> so happens in all cultures apparently. Hmm. What did you think about the first... The foursome? Yeah, where she wasn't consenting. Did you pick up on that? She was, like, saying, no, no, I don't want this, and they did it anyway. Oh, well, I thought she still agreed to do it. Did she? I mean, eventually she gave in, Mm. and she she enjoyed it. Yeah, because when I... Like, you had mentioned it to me that when you read it, you were like, her first time was non-consenting, and then... I was like, when I read it, that didn't occur to me. Well, she said no. She, yeah, she says no multiple times. And I was like, isn't it weird that I somehow blocked that out, that yeah. she was saying no? I did too. And that you were the one that – and I was like, when I finished the book, I was like, Michael said that there was like this whole non-consensual scene and I completely missed it. I had to go back and look at, look at it and be like, oh – yeah, she, like, says no. Yeah, no, I can't. Don't worry, if it's seems strange, yada, yada. Yeah. And, but now you'll be free. I shook my head again. Dina stood up and kissed me while the other two gently removed my clothes. I couldn't refuse a third time. I was enjoying it. Yeah. So she refused twice, but then couldn't refuse a third time. Yeah, but if you can't refuse, it's, it's not consent. That's true. That's dodgy. Yeah. And she berates herself, calling herself sick with sin. Yeah. So probably part of that reluctance is because of the... Her internalised... Homophobia. Yeah, where she's been taught, you don't do this, this is bad. But still, like, she obviously wasn't ready. Mm. But, I mean, she ends up enjoying it and, I mean, that doesn't make it right either. But, yeah, I thought that was interesting that I, like, reading it myself, I didn't pick up the non-consent. Neither did I. And I had a man point it out to me. Good work. Yeah, you (laughs) mansplained non-consent to me. But I was impressed that you could identify that. Okay. Yeah, because I feel like a lot of men aren't very good at identifying that in real life. I thought it was interesting that she didn't consider the possibility of being a lesbian. And then that happened. It's like, I always knew there was something. Yeah. Well, that's what it's like. I mean, if you aren't raised to see it yeah. or anything like that you don't know until one day something happens and it all clicks and i was mm. like oh that's why i wanted to marry jodie foster when i was 12 years old <laughs> it all became clear <laughs> yeah that's right that's why it's just so important that you know movies and books and stuff show that it's not just straight relationships and you know everyone's got to see what reflects them mm. so that's right. So it's good that in Equatorial Guinea there's a story, you know, that maybe highlights that, you know, this is a thing. Like, you can be attracted to women sexually. Did you read the afterword? I think so. They talked a lot about um, gay and lesbian rights in yeah. the afterword. 
I didn't read it. Okay. I was napping. Sorry. <laughs> I admit I fell asleep in the park. Yeah, it's still a long way to go, but I think there's yeah. a long way to go everywhere. And, yeah, I mean, Australia only just got marriage equality. True. So, and our Prime Minister wants to keep conversion therapy, so, you know. Yeah. So I feel like we can't pretend we're some sort of enlightened nation. Mm. Oh, I never thought Australia was enlightened. <laughs> no. What do you think about the masculinity portrayed in the book? Gross. But gross. <laughs> well, the like you, your main masculinity is shown as the granddad and his exceedingly gross toenails. Yeah, but there was so much emphasis on, like she says, I always thought a man was someone that had a penis. Mm. And then it's someone that has, is able to reproduce. Mm. But then there is it the other uncle, her mother's brother, isn't able to reproduce and he's gone through all the wives yeah. and none of them have got pregnant. And his own father doesn't really. He's struggling to see him. Yeah. That's but then they have to get the man-woman in. To impregnate her wife. So maybe the man-woman is more manly than the... The man with the wife. Yeah. Like if we're if we're measuring masculinity by how many children they have. Not that the man woman has any children. That we know. Yeah. But it sounds like he doesn't want to have sex with women. So, well he didn't imply that he had had sex with women at some stage. So oh, there okay. could be children. Could be. Maybe in Spain. Mm. Yeah. Would you No. Okay. I don't know what the question is, but no. <laughs> I want to hear the question. Would you do like your cousin a favour if they weren't able to get their wife pregnant? And then impregnate them so then they can pretend that it's their child. I mean, it's not just like any sort of surrogacy. I mean, yeah. yeah. I mean, I wouldn't, not for my cousins, but mainly because I'm. Well, I guess like they were expecting him to physically. Yeah, I mean, I think. <coughs> Maybe he could have just like. There's a big difference between, I think. Done a turkey based ordeal. <laughs> yeah. I think, you know, obviously our society, it's not, hey, come with my wife. There's, you know, medical procedures involved mm. and it's very impersonal. So there's no, you know, yet that they take the sperm and they can just end up with that. There's no personal mm. interactions. Yeah. I feel like, like most cultures have a measure of your worth being in how many children you have. Mm. Oh, that's for sure. Yeah. Even in ours. Yeah. So, like, there's an expectation that you'll have children and grandchildren. Yeah. And great-grandchildren, I guess. Mm. And then, like, having a grandchild is an achievement because you managed to have a child that could have a child. And it's like, oh, well done you on having a child that could have a child. <laughs> yeah, it's like congratulating the grandparents when they say they've got a grandkid. It's like yeah. they didn't, like, particularly do much. I mean, obviously they had the original child, but yeah. I don't know. Yeah, it's just weird. Yeah, it is. Lucky Dad's happy with just a cat. Yes, because it doesn't seem to be any grandchildren. <laughs> Yeah, so I, f- I feel like like our culture like definitely expects people to be having children, and we're like a mostly secular society. Yeah. And then when you tell people you don't have a child, they're like, "Oh, please explain why this is a thing in mm. your life." And it's like, well, that's a really personal question. Like, <laughs> you're a stranger on the street. Please like, don't ask me these questions. At work, like, just there's some female colleagues who maybe like late twenties, early thirties, and they get asked all the time why. Mm. You know, they aren't married yet. I mean, dude, uncool. Mm. Mm. Have you seen that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um, no one's asked me. No one's asked you why you aren't married yet. <laughs> no. What does that mean? I don't know. I'm so repellent, I can't get along. 
You can't get a woman. I could if I man. wanted to. You could, of course. I just don't want one. Well, not any of the ones you know. Yeah, no, I don't want any. Screw oh, them. Okay. Not really. <laughs> okay. Um, I remember when a friend of mine came out and he was from a farming background where, you know, anything that was worth anything was reproducing, like their cows and their sheep. And if, if you had a sheep that wasn't reproducing, then it wasn't worth anything. And then so when he was going through his journey of coming out, he was like, I'm not going to be able to reproduce because I'm gay. So my family are never going to see me as worth anything. So I think, you know, that's like a similar sort of concept that he had in like rural Australia. Mm. Mm. I don't know if there's any cultures that value not having children. Like it's all about passing on this. Genetic material. What do you think about the forest said? It seems to be a place where they were free from the tribal laws and like in mythology and like fairy tales of forests is always seen as a bad thing. It's the place people have to go through their journey, their hero journey. Mm. They have to overcome the evils of the forest. Mm Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm pondering it. Like, I understand the metaphor and, like, is living in the forest mean that they're still going on their journey? Or that- no, but it seems to be the place where they could be free. Yeah. But are they really free? Like, it's coming, like, it's coming at a cost. Like, they've lost their community. They've lost their family. But they- Is that really freedom? They started their own community. Yeah, and create their own family. Yeah. Mm. Sometimes that is the best option. That's right. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Do you think it was a happy ending? Mm. I think it's a bittersweet ending. I mean, I don't know what happens next. Mm. I mean, I don't know, based on what you learn about their culture and everything, that there could be any sort of happier ending than that. Living in a forest. Well, with who someone she purportedly loved mm. um, and having that freedom. Then you've got the other friends that are, ended up in doing sex work in marriages that they don't want to be in. Yeah, well, they all they got out of them and the went to the forest. Well. Yeah, I get Yeah, you're right. So. <laughs> oh, did we just give away the ending? Spoiler. They all end up in the forest. I don't know if it matters the ending. I think it's about reading the journey. Yeah. That's right. Mm. Yeah, I think it's about, like, yeah, it's definitely a book about journey and about learning about how other people experience that journey. And obviously it's not just coming to terms with her sexuality. It's also the journey of trying to find out who her father is, Mm. who she's been denied by her family of knowing who was her birth father. Yeah. Even the father won't acknowledge her. Yeah, sad. Because he didn't pay for her. But I think he, he would... But I think there's the whole culture yeah. not allowing him to. Yeah. So it's just easier for him mm. not to. But I think, you know, obviously if the culture was different, he probably would have. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and that the culture definitely impacts on everybody in the story. Like it obviously impacted her mother, her father, her parent her grandparents, the uncle, cousin, man, the uncle that can't have the babies, the grandfather's other wife the sister that they asked for money from yeah 
they're just gonna name every person in the book now. Well, we yeah. don't know their names. <laughs> I feel like it impacted everyone. Yeah, I guess culture it does impact everybody, <laughs> no matter what our culture is. Yeah. We all have this like internal persuasion. I don't know. Is that the right word? I don't know. Let me think. We have a. We've been shaped without our knowledge, and that impacts us. And you know, sometimes you have to look at how that's impacting you and whether it's what we really want. And then sometimes it comes at the cost of losing your community. Mm. And if you're lucky, you get a new community of people that understand. So next we talk about other things to recommend. Do you you have recommendations similar or? Your thing. Shall I mention, did I mention that I read lesbian romance novels? Do you have any recommendations? (laughs) (laughs) Not in the same vein, no. No. Um, the Miseducation of Cam- um, what is it? Cameron Post. Um, that movie is coming out soon. Uh, it's a, like a YA novel with a young girl who's basically forced into conversion therapy. Not a bad recommendation. Mm-hmm. It's always a classic vitamin C later. I love that movie. <laughs> <laughs> These are all very white examples. Yes. Yeah. Well, do you have not white examples? I do not. No. No. What about Moonlight? Yeah. It's still an American example, yeah. but it's a different experience to the white man's experience. Yeah. And although you got books like um, I Can Hardly Think Straight and oh, what's that one called? I don't know. But they're set in India. Okay. Um, they're pretty good. They've been made to movies as well. Oh. We'll have to check them out. Mm, pretty good. Where do I find them? Are they on Netflix? I don't think so. Like, my queer experience is obviously from a very white point of view. I said most of the lesbian romance novels are predominantly white characters as well. Mm, yeah. That's not because I seek it out. That just seems to be what's available yeah, and what, right. I, what I can purchase. Yeah, so. that's right. Well, sometimes if you want a different experience, you have to look hard for it. Mm, true. Mm, true. Yeah. Because we did go looking for a translation from Africa and a translation that deals with queer issues. And this is what we found. Nice. <laughs> yeah, those were two different searches. So just yeah, happened to just find that <laughs> <Yeah>. both. <laughs> That's all right. It worked out well. But, you know, it's an easy read. It's a quick book. It's not an easy read, but I don't think. It's but not it's long. It's a quick book. <laughs> but it's, like, it's big issues. Yeah. Yeah. But I feel like it wasn't physically difficult. Just emotionally. Yeah. Mm. But worth reading. Yeah. Yeah, I think it was informative i feel like i learned yeah, i, I learned like something there was a lot to talk about and i wanted to talk about it but i needed women to do that for me i <laughs> did a lot of googling and wikipediaing after reading it so what did you learn oh it's like i don't even know where equatorial guinea is where is it it's in africa very good Thank did you, you know there's an african country that? called benin yes i did not know this mm. it's above I saw it on the map when I was looking up Equatorial Guinea. The Democratic Republic of Congo, I think it's above. I thought Liberia was above that. There are three countries in Africa that have the word Guinea in them. Oh, mm-hmm. what are they? Equatorial Guinea. Yep. Guinea. Yep. And I can't remember the third one. Mm. But there is three. Papua New Guinea? That's not in Africa. <laughs> Well, we'll probably okay. edit all that out because we're probably wrong. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I know it's definitely three. Um, did you have you discussed everything you want to discuss? 
I think so. I don't want to discuss it. I want you to discuss it. Well, have we discussed everything you wanted to discuss? I think I've got, I think we've covered pretty much most of this stuff. Okay. I did write a review on it. Yeah. Okay. We'll, we'll link to that in the show notes. I'd rather not have a male voice talk about it, so. But you were entitled to yeah. learn from these experiences as well. Well, that's why I read it, to learn from the experience. Yeah. And then you can have a thought about it. Yeah. But. I didn't want to be the dominant voice no. talking about this stuff. And I don't think you have been. I think I have been. Mm. And <laughs> that's because you haven't said enough. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm new to this. That's okay. You've done great. Thank you. Will you come back? Depends on what the book is. Okay. The next lesbian book we find. Gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> Make it a lesbian romance novel. Send us the recommendations for translated lesbian novels. Particularly romances for Rita. Amy and Jaguar. Sorry, I'm just starting to remember some. Is that translated? Mm, I think it was German. Oh. Look into that. It's a book, um, made into a movie as well. Okay. All right. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me. Yes, it's been a pleasure. If you want to support Lost in Translations, please go to patreon.com forward slash translations pod and all money there will help support the show. And please remember to subscribe, and while subscribing, please rate the show. This will help others find the podcast. All our links to social media are in the show notes, and you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Litzy under Translations Pod. Thank you for listening. This podcast was recorded on the lands of the Walgarukabar and Bindal people. We acknowledge their ownership of this land and all the traditional owners in Australia, and acknowledge their care of the land. This is a Macaulay Flower production.